I done it. I took the next step in the quest to show that anyone is capable of anything by completing my first half Ironman, all part of the journey to completing a full Ironman in 2019. I went to Copenhagen, Denmark, and I swam 1.9 kilometers in 43 minutes. I then got out of the water, took my wetsuit off, and cycled 90 kilometers in 3 hours and 12 minutes, and then ran 21 kilometers in 2 hours and 19 minutes to cross the finish line and make five months of hard, tiring, mentally and physically challenging training all worthwhile. So where do I start? Probably talking about why I went to Denmark to do it. It's a question that usually gets asked uh, when talking about this. So I wanted to do it. Well, I always told myself that I would do do it somewhere abroad. It never really excited me the same way to think of doing such an amazing thing that I've worked so hard for in Edinburgh. No disrespect to Edinburgh, I love Edinburgh, but, you know, I live in Scotland, it's 45 minutes on the train away from where I live, and it just doesn't excite me that much. There was a couple of ones in England, again, it just didn't excite me. Um, And I always said I would do it in Denmark, sorry, I would do it in Europe, and Denmark just fit a lot of the criteria I was looking for, uh, well, so I thought, (laughs) in terms of weather, I didn't want to do it somewhere too hot. Now, with it being in June, uh, a lot of the places around that time of year in Europe would have been really hot, and I chose Denmark thinking that it would have been a bit milder. Now, it turned out that Denmark were having a bit of a heat wave, and it wasn't cool at all. (laughs) But weather was a factor. Um, I've never been to Denmark. I've always wanted to go. Uh, A lot of friends have went to Denmark and always looking at pictures and hearing them talk about it. I've always wanted to go there. The flights to get there were pretty reasonably priced and it only took an hour and a half to get there. On the plane to get to Copenhagen, um, the race itself wasn't in Copenhagen. It was in Elsinore, um, which is about 45 minutes on the train from Copenhagen. So I flew to Copenhagen, stayed there for the duration, but had to get the train to where the race was. Now, the city of Elsinore, when I looked at the photos, when I was... Uh, kind of doing the research into doing it. When I saw the photos and saw what the place was like and where I would be racing, that's <clears throat> that's what definitely made my mind up. As soon as I saw that, I was like, yep, this is uh, this is where I want to do this. And I booked it, yeah, pretty close to the start of the year. And, yeah, it was, you know, more money, um, and more hassle, but it's only ever going to be my first half Ironman once, and I thought it's literally once in a lifetime thing. Let's do it, and I'm really glad I made that decision because Denmark itself, I absolutely loved it. 
Now, the not-so-positive things of doing it in Denmark was just the fact that you're, you're taking a bike. It was quite a big stressor. Um, I'm not going to lie. Leading up to it, it got me pretty stressed out. I <coughs> main thing was it's a new bike I had, um, so it's worth a lot of money. My last bike got stole, so you know, pretty scarred in that sense. And I was just like, what if something happens to it? What if it gets lost? Just overthinking it too much. Um, when you get there, you've got to... Sorry, before you go even, you've got to take the bike apart. And that is not as easy as it sounds. It's not like you're just taking the pedals off or just taking the wheels off. You've, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of things you need to do to get it ready um, to put in the bike case or bike box, whatever you're using. Now, I was very lucky in this sense that my friend Stu gave me his travel box to use, and I say I'm lucky because these things cost about £500, so thanks again, Stu, for, for doing that for me. I really appreciate that, and that helped me out so much. Um, but yeah, in the couple of days leading up to going, and especially the night of taking the bike apart, which I had, I had got somebody to show me to do it, um, but... I was just freaking out, man. <laughs> I was just like, what if I don't do this properly? What if I don't take all the parts with me? And, uh, you know, I was really getting myself in a bit of a, a, bit of a mess about it. Um, the travelling aspect of it, I was travelling from Edinburgh Airport, living in Glasgow, so I've got this massive box with a bike in it to take, get to the airport with my suitcase and my bag and all my other equipment. I then need to get it checked in at the airport at the special oversized items bit and then pray that it gets to Copenhagen safely. And it did, thankfully. Um, got to the... We oh, had to get a big van taxi thing to fit all of our luggage and the bike in the taxi to get to the Airbnb um, and then we get to the Airbnb safely and everything's there but then you've got to build your bike up again and that's another story in itself because finally get there, get to Copenhagen, get to the Airbnb and I'm like I can fucking de-stress now for the first time in like a week. I'm so happy. I made it here. The bike is here. All the parts are here. Thank God. So, I build the bike back up again. And I'm not too happy with how I've done it. I don't think everything's exactly as it should be. However, Copenhagen is crazy for cycling. And there's literally a bike shop on the street we're in. So the first morning, I take the bike into the bike shop and say to the guy, look, I've travelled over from Scotland. I'm racing on Sunday. This was Friday. 
I'm not happy with how I've put my bike together. Could you service it for me? And, you know, pay you whatever you want to uh, get it in race condition. And the guy's really nice. He's, yeah, sure, it's 200-odd corona, which was like 20-odd pound. And I leave it with him. Now, this was about midday. He says it'll be finished about five, and the shop closes at six. I was like, great. We're heading out for the day. It was a beautiful day. The sun was out. We had a day planned. And happy days. So we head out for the day. Uh, I travelled over with my friend G, who came to Brighton with me uh, to do my last triathlon. So he came over with his girlfriend and my girlfriend. And the four of us went out to a place called Hummelback to go to a museum and it ended up being this amazing place with like clear blue water and a beach and a bar and the weather was just amazing and we just ended up there all day and I'm thinking, looking at the watch, right, okay, we're going to need to head back and get the train now so we can get back in time for the shop closing. We get to the train station, we get back to Copenhagen Central, we then need to get another train to the place we're staying. And we get on the train to go there, and we've timed it pretty nicely. We get there about half five, and the train gets delayed. And delayed again. And delayed again. And then it's cancelled. And I'm now stressing out my nut again, because I'm thinking, I have not given... Sorry, I do not have any proof that I gave this guy my bike. And who knows? This guy might be the nicest guy in the world, but he also might be a crook. And he might be thinking, well, if he doesn't come back for his bike, I'm going to sell it and play dumb when he comes in for it the, the next day or whatever. I just All these scenarios run through my head because I had no proof. No, I didn't ask for a receipt. I was just so happy that he was going to fix it for me. Um, I just left it with him. By the time we got back to the bike shop, it was five past six, and it was shut, and there was nobody in it. <laughs> and I just couldn't believe I'd got myself in this position of stressing about my bike again after all the stress and worry about getting it over safely and everything else. I get over safely and then I just leave it in the hands of somebody I don't know <laughs> with no proof that I gave him it and I've then got the rest of that night with all these worries and scenarios going through my head and I was just so annoyed at myself. I was so pissed off that I'd done that. Um, however, I went in first thing in the morning and the guy was like, here's your bike, man. It's all sorted, ready to go. And I was like... <sighs> Worrying over nothing as usual. So, yeah, um, the first day we done that, we went and just chilled by the water, and it was in a really awesome chilled day with lots of carbon up. Uh, you know, a few days before a race, an endurance race like this, I've got to eat, you know, as many carbohydrates as I can essentially to make sure that I'm fully stocked up with energy for the race on the Sunday or I'll end up you know being too depleted uh, to to do it properly so yeah just eating all the all the carbs in sight 
And then the Saturday, it was registration day at the Ironman Village, and you have to go the day before the race to register and to rack your bike at the transition point, uh, which means, yeah, you need to literally leave your bike and overnight, and obviously it's all security and you know, nobody's going to be able to get in and, and steal anything, which is all cool. But, um, but yeah, we went went there on the Saturday, and it was uh, it was a great vibe. The there was like a big expo thing that goes on, but like obviously loads of stalls, people selling loads of stuff, music played, events on. You know, that it was like there's a kids version of the the Iron Man and. Uh, yeah, it was just it was just really cool to get there and see where the race was, see the water, and just take it all in. It kind of settled my nerves a little bit. Um, and obviously I was there in the city. I was doing it at the venue, and I was just like, wow, this place is fucking stunning. It was so, so beautiful. I was so happy uh, that I was there in that moment, and I was going to be racing in this place the next day. Um, we had the the... Which call it the uh, race briefing, which was really handy. I'm really glad I made that um, because they go over all the rules and regulations. This is an official Ironman race. You know you can get disqualified for certain things like littering, um, urinating, drafting on the bike. There was a lot of things uh, you know that I was. That I wasn't aware of that I learned at that briefing, so I'm really glad because obviously you can miss these things. Some people don't go to them, um, but I'm really glad that I went to that, and I was uh, I felt again much more confident and less nervous after that. And then yeah, I got registered, got my Ironman band, my uh, racked my bike at the transition point, got all my kind of food for the bike set up in terms of my energy gels taped onto my bars. I had to leave my run bag at the run transition. I had to leave my uh, cycle shoes and helmet and all that there. And it just, you just start to get a bit pumped up for it all. Um, and then there was just loads more carbon up. <laughs> that night I had two dinners, two pasta meals with bread and things like that. A lot of kind of fruit and um, you know, carbohydrate-based drinks and things like that. And I actually slept pretty well the night before. I was really worried that I was not going to be able to sleep. You know, Denmark was hot. The uh, the pillows in the Airbnb weren't that great. And I was worried that I wasn't going to get a good night's sleep, which was obviously so important for, you know, how I was feeling on the day of the race. Now, I had to be at the place for about 8 in the morning to start at 9 or to start warming up in the water at 9. So with the training and everything else, I had to go up at half 5, make sure I was eating with enough time. But I got up. I had a bit of food, but not as much as I would have wanted to have. I just I had nerves. I had a nervous feeling in my stomach. You know, this was... The first time I'd done this, um, in terms of you know doing it abroad, doing these distances, fear of letting people down. People are messaging me all weekend saying you'll smash this. I know you'll do great. Donating money to the charity. You know, thinking about 
you know, my dad and that, you know, the whole reason I'm doing I'm doing this and um I uh, I felt really fucking nervous. Um it's just the fear of the unknown, I suppose, as well. You know I just I was really I was really worried about not being able to eat as much and stuff, but as I sat in the train, I had a coffee, I had a wee bit more bit of food, I got there and kinda got a bit more settled, got my wetsuit on, got a couple of drinks energy drinks in me and like a gel and it was pretty, that was it. It was time for the race. This, you know, it was here. All of a sudden, I was in the sea, in Denmark, warming up to begin my race, and it was all a bit surreal. Um, but I, I, I was excited. I was excited. to kind of by this point, the nerves had kind of gone because I was really. I'd done a lot of really good swimming training. In the couple of months leading up to the event, I was out doing a lot of open water, more open water training than I had ever done before for a triathlon with my wetsuit on and things. And um, again, thanks to Amanda for helping me out with all that training. Um, but yeah, because of that, I felt good for the swim, and I was I was excited, and uh, it was time to go. So. That was it. Here we are. Um, I um, there was three thousand competitors. The pros went out first, and then it went in waves of people in certain coloured swim caps, depending on what time everyone thought they were going to do it. Now I predicted between forty-one and forty-three minutes for the one-point-nine kilometre swim. And I was in with the yellow swim caps and there was hundreds of us uh, lined up ready to go at half past nine. And I was in the water, bang on half nine. I was kind of at the front bit of the wave and we were going in by fours. Now, the weather itself that morning, in the morning it was pretty chilly because it was pouring the rain. It was quite windy. And the water actually felt warmer than standing out in the rain at this point. So I was actually just happy to get in the water. And I got in the water. The sea was great. It was one of the best kind of water environments, if that's the right word, that I'd ever swam in. And I just, I just done my thing. I just kept calm. Usually at the start of an open water race, you kind of panic, especially if it's cold, your breathing kind of goes and your technique sometimes goes out the window. But I stayed calm. I just kept my breathing where it should be and focused on my stroke and my breathing. And I, I got off to a really good start and that just made things really, really good in terms of settling my nerves down and going for it. There, as I say, there's three thousand competitors. Obviously, we're going off in waves, but you, you know, you did end up swimming in amongst a lot of people. You know, you're over overtaking people. People are overtaking you. There are people hitting you in the head with their hands when they're trying to do a stroke. There are people kicking you in the head with their feet at points, but that's not their fault. And you can't get too, you can't get worked up about it. You just need to keep going. My goggles did kind of get kicked off at one point and the water got in, which kind of 
um, which was a bit annoying because I had to kind of stop swimming and kind of sort my goggles out because, I, you know, I couldn't see properly. But apart from that, the swim went great. I absolutely loved it. I was absolutely buzzing in that water. I was just taking it all in and I was like, I'm here, I'm doing this, this is happening. I'm gonna get a, a time in this swim that I was I'm I'm wanting. I was looking for. I predicted between forty one and forty three minutes and I came out in forty three minutes. So it was bang on. And from that point you get out the water, you then run or well, you don't need to run, but I ran from that point through to the transition point to take your wetsuit off. And it, but I, as I was running through that point, I saw the guys there. That was you know, the guys I was with, and they're shouting me on, and that's a great feeling. That just pushes you on so much. It's amazing. Get to the transition point, take the wetsuit off as quick as I can, goggles off, swim cap off, and I've got my tri suit on underneath my wetsuit. And put my helmet on, my sunglasses on, quickly drink a quick energy juice, take a quick energy bar, and run to the bike, uh, which was a out of a trek to be honest which wasn't great running bare feet um, took a pee at that point because obviously doing this for how many hours you're going to need to do a toilet and uh, you're not allowed to do the toilet when you are <coughs> on the bike or running so I had to take an opportunity to do a quick pee I swallowed quite a lot of seawater and put my cycle shoes on at my bike got on the bike and off I went, out on the cycle, and the sun started to come out at this point, and it w the, the start of the cycle was just amazing. It was flat at the start, and I was cycling really fast. I was, I felt great. I felt energised. I was buzzing. The start of the cycle was a long the coast of the sea, and it was just amazing views. It was uh, it was a great a great great moment. You're thinking, I'm out the water safe. I'm on the bike safe. The bike seems to be working fine, and again, just that feeling of I am doing this. Like this is all paying. All this hard work is paying off. I'm I'm I'm, I'm on the way to finishing this, and. The cycle was, it was awesome. Um, as I said, the start, it was pretty flat, but then you got to a point where um, you started getting the uh, ascents and hills, and it's 90 kilometers, you know, it's a long, it's a long time. So I was out in the countryside, I was out cycling through random villages, you then came back through the countryside. The sun was out at this point and it was absolutely roasting. Um, I'm taking in a lot of water, a lot of energy juice. I'm taking some energy gels that I've got taped onto the frame of my bike every so often. I've got some uh, kind of 
gum things in a wee bag pouch on my bike just for sh- sugar because you know I'm on the bike for over three hours. You need to fuel. You need to you need to replenish, uh, especially because I was you know going hard at it. You know I was trying to get a really good time here. I w- I was uh, predicting three and a half hours for my cycle, and there was this woman, Italian woman, because everybody's got their uh, wee flag on their. Uh, on their race number. So there was this Italian woman on a pink bike and she kept overtaking me and I was like, nah, not happening. So every time she took over and she overtook me, I would just blast it and overtake her again and then that would be her out of sight and then 20 minutes later she'd beast back and overtake me again. And then I'd, but that's a good thing, you know, because we were probably, we probably had each other in our sight and thinking, I'm going to get you back and we probably pushed each other on and then Come back through the countryside, and then you're th- through the th- through the town uh, of Elsinore, uh, and there's a massive hill, and then you're up round another kind of village bit, and then back down um, the hill, and you, that's it. You come to the, towards the end of the the bike, and at this point, I'm looking at my watch, and I'm thinking. This has went a lot better and quicker than I thought here. I was three hours 12, and I was delighted with that, Um, absolutely delighted. Again, I saw the guys at the end of the cycle. Um, You know, three hours 12 of really pushing it on the bike. My legs were feeling it, obviously. My legs were burning, but in terms of, like, overall energy, I felt good, and I was like, holy shit, man, like... I could get a way better time than I thought here for the whole thing. Um, you know, the main objective is to finish it. We're never doing anything this extreme and this far before. To finish it for me is obviously a massive achievement in itself. And the cutoff time is eight hours or eight and a half hours. I was saying to myself, finish it first. However, but the training you've been putting in and the, the way training has been going, you should be doing this in under seven hours if nothing goes wrong. And a really good time would be less something, less than six and a half. Um, I said the night before, I said, I said, in under seven, I'll be delighted with it. In over seven, I'll be happy to finish, but I'll be quite like, why, you know, why did it take you that long? But, at this point, I'm thinking, I could get close to six hours here because I was, I had a two-hour, two hours, five minutes uh, run. That was my goal for the for the half marathon after the bike because um, that's what I've been doing in training and you're thinking with the adrenaline and everything, I should be able to get, I could get as close to six hours and basically, I come off the bike and my legs are, as I say, sore, burning, but I get I get my shoes, my running shoes on, I get another uh, bit of food in me, and I'm out on the run, and, you know, I'm going through my first kilometre, going to plan, good speed, good timing, I'm feeling good. And then, fucking disaster strikes, like, second kilometre in, I just get these ridiculous stomach cramps, um... Oh man, they're just it was so painful, and 
I felt absolutely terrible. And I was like, oh my God, hopefully this passes. Not not passing, not passing. Feeling fucking worse. The run's slowing down already. Two, three kilometres in here. And I'm like, holy shit, I have got 18, 19 kilometres to go here and I feel like shit. Now, there's two things that could have happened here. One is I've swallowed too much seawater or something that I've swallowed in the swim that didn't agree with me and it's just kicking in now. Or what I think has happened is the carbohydrate powder that I've used for my cycle and my water bottles is one that I bought at the Ironman Village the day before because I didn't take carbohydrate powder with me. And it was stuff that I had never used before, which you shouldn't do. It was my bad. If, if this is what's happened, that I've taken this carb powder that I haven't taken before and my stomach hasn't agreed with it and it's kicked in as I've got off the bike and it's gave me these stomach pains and these stomach cramps and made me feel like absolute crap. Um, but I've never had stomach issues with anything like that before, whether it be gels, whether it be bars, whether it be powders, protein powders, anything like that. I've never, I never get gut issues. So it never even crossed my mind to think that this might happen. But it did, and oh my god, man, I'm telling you, like, I absolutely love this experience, this Ironman, I'm so glad I chose to do this, but that run, <laughs> that run was fucking hell, like, I was in a bad way during most three quarters of that run, like, as I said, these pains and this feeling kicked in two or three kilometres in and wouldn't go away so my legs were fucked but I can usually cope with that I can power through that but add in these stomach problems add in the fact that these stomach problems mean that I can't physically eat anymore or drink anymore because I think I can't stomach anything else here it's going to make me feel worse and the, the, the sun is out full pelt and it's absolutely roasting it was just it was just, I was struggling, like, big time, big time struggling, and my run, for the most part, was a lot slower than it should have been and what I would have liked it to be, um, but, you know, this is, this is why, you know, you're, I'm doing it for massive personal reasons, which I've all, you know, explained before. Um, raising money for charity that people have donated good hard-earned money to. I've got th three people over with me, paid a lot of money to be there to support me. I've got a lot of people back home, friends and family, clients that are all waiting on me to say I finished and I'm just like, you cannot stop. You need to keep going and I just had to keep going. There was no other option. Obviously, I was never going to stop and give up. No fucking way. I would have walked it. Might not have made the cut-off time, but if I had to, I would have walked it. But I managed to keep jogging. But it just was nowhere near as fast as it could or should have been. Um, about 15 kilometres in, which at this point, I might not even know I've made it this far. But I'll tell you what, actually, right? See, like... The volunteers at these things, these people are, you know, these people are amazing people. These volunteers are like, they are just out of the goodness of their heart. And they're shouting you on every time you pass them. 
and they don't even know you, and they're just shouting you on, encouraging you, clapping you, telling you to keep going. There's people in the town, in the city, from their you know, apartment windows shouting, bla- blasting music for you. You know, these people are heroes, man. These people are what gets, gets you through a lot of it. Other racers seeing that you're struggling and saying, come on, keep going, or speaking to me in Danish, but I'm assuming that's what they were saying. You know, at one point I was running alongside a guy who was also definitely struggling, and I just looked at him and I went, fucking brutal, eh? And he had no idea what I said, but he knew we were both in the same world of pain. <laughs> but, but yeah, 15, 16 kilometres in, I thought at one of the uh, one of the aid stations they were giving out like things like bars and gels and carb powders and but they had uh, Red Bull and Coca Cola and I thought to myself, people tell you to drink Coca Cola for some reason when you're ill, so try it. So I took a cup of cola, drank it. It went down okay. Oh, I must also point out that I did stop for, you know, 15 seconds to try and make myself sick. I was literally bent over at the side of the fucking track while people were running past me with my fingers down my throat trying to puke to make myself feel better. I was probably about four kilometres in and I just wasn't, I just couldn't even puke, so that didn't work. But anyway, I had the cola, it went down okay. I started to feel a little bit better, so I had another one at the next aid station. And uh, I was gradually feeling a little bit better. I then could then stomach a couple of Red Bulls. And I was just constantly throwing water over my face. And I was drinking a bit of water. Um, And the pain got a little bit better towards the end. And, you know, before you know it, I'm looking at where I am. And I've got a few a few kilometers left and I'm looking at my watch and I'm like you can get below six and a half hours if you just if you just push you know a little bit more you can you can do that and I'm telling you something man like I was trying so hard to go faster and I did go a bit faster but it just I just couldn't go as fast as I would like to but God, the emotion towards the end, like it was pretty mad. Um, thinking about, I'm about to finish a half Ironman of six and a half hours of non-stop exercise. What would Dad think <laughs> right now? He would be like, he just would believe it that me. Uh, you know, was doing this and was able to do this and it's him that he's the main reason I, I, I was doing it in the first place because there were so many reasons of, of why but what to make him proud and raising money for the British Heart Foundation um, It's uh, it's a bit overwhelming when you're uh, in that moment. It was a bit overwhelming to think of where I where where I used to be, who I used to be, and how far I came. Uh, I I shed a few tears during the run. We hadn't even finished yet, but I knew I was going to finish. And um, I 
it was it was really emotional. You know, there's people there supporting me, people paying good money to fly over to Denmark to be with me, to support me, spending money, Airbnb hotel money for me. Um, people spending their hard-earned wages on donating money to a charity because I'm doing this and I'm about to finish it. All the training over the past five months of, you know, going in open water swimming in Glasgow at 7am in the freezing cold water and feeling like absolute shit, but getting it done because you need to do it. Um, double sessions daily because I was trying to keep and build muscle mass while I was doing it. So I'm doing weights, then I'm doing cardio four or five days a week. I'm then out on the bike at the weekends and running all weekend, four or five hours some days at a time. I'm then too tired to do anything after it, you know, the sacrifice to friends, my girlfriend and family at that point. You know, you're thinking, am I being too selfish here? But something I really want to do and I told myself I'll do whatever it takes and you're thinking about all that training and all that sacrifice and all the money spent and all the, the gear and the food and the supplements and all the tiredness of all the training makes you so tired and still working a full-time job and trying to do numerous other things at one time and soreness, <laughs> just all these things are going through your head at that last bit of the run and... Um, but what an amazing feeling. What an amazing feeling. I just can't even dis start to describe what it's like coming towards the end of that and then you literally get on the end on the on that red carpet as you come towards the end and you you're crossing the line and this is it. So it's you've done it. And it's just it's just overwhelming emotion and joy and relief and uh, it's just it's something that is hard to describe like I tried to do a video straight after it when I kind of sorted myself to, to tell everyone I'd done it and I really couldn't find the right words and you know I crossed the line to literally my my friends and my girlfriend there right in front of me with that you know saying fucking well done and they're emotional and um, it was incredible, incredible. Um, I'm so, so happy and so grateful that I have chose to live my life this way because that feeling will be any feeling that I used to think I enjoyed for drinking and um, partying and eating shite and junk food. You know, that feeling beats beats it all, and uh, the feeling of being fit and the feeling of being able to do that and inspire other people um, to get fit and healthy and train and eat better. I'm just so fucking happy that 
my life has turned out this way and I chose to not take the easy way when my dad died and turned to drink and turned to feeling sorry for myself and actually it said make something of yourself now yeah, I'm so glad that I've done that and, um, this is only the half so <laughs> fuck don't know what I'll feel if I do finish the, the full one but anything is possible that's the Iron Man logo and it's because it's fucking true if you tell yourself you can't do something then you won't if you set a goal put the work in and above all actually believe in yourself then you can trust me take it from me who six years ago couldn't swim bike or run for ten minutes and I've just done it for six and a half hours If you don't want to do something, you'll find an excuse not to do it. If you really want to do something, you will do it. You might fall down. You might fail numerous times before you get there. But if you put the work in and you keep believing, you will do it. What's the next step? Well, the ultimate goal has always been full Ironman. Um... 2019 is the date set. Half was this year, 2018. Full next year, 2019. Um, so, still to decide where I'm going to do it. That will dictate what time of the year. But I'm thinking probably full training for that will start in January with a view for a summer Ironman somewhere in the world. Who knows yet? I, at the moment, I am focusing on uh, weights and conditioning and strength and size and obviously work and clients, which is obviously always uh, the main focus, but I'll continue to do the disciplines. Um, I've started uh, back in the pool already. I'm going to be doing a swim a week and a cycle a week and once my foot is healed from plantar fasciitis which I'm still suffering from a little bit I will be running obviously you know because I don't want my fitness and, and, and those disciplines to fall down um, too much before I start back proper in January because I'll just leave myself with a too big a mountain to climb because the full Ironman is literally double Everything. So, yeah, double everything. 17 hour cut off. You need to do it within 17 hours or you don't get to finish and don't get a medal. So, yeah. If I thought that half marathon was hard, don't know how the hell next year's going to feel, but I tell you what, I'll put the work in and I'll do my best to get it done. Um, I am raising money for the British Heart Foundation. My uh, dad died uh, suddenly on the golf course in 2012 due to uh, heart failure and something that it was, it was only ever going to be that I was raising money for for this. So 
the page is open and it will remain open for the full Iron Man. Thank you so much to anyone who's donated so far for the half Iron Man. I've raised about six hundred pounds at this point. I'll put the link on the post for the podcast to for anyone who wants to donate. Instead of asking people again for a fresh page or a fresh charity next year, I'm just keeping the same page open with the same uh, the same charity for people to donate, people can who haven't donated can then donate for the full one, or anyone who has already donated can donate again for me doing the full one. It's really whatever people want to do. One donation is obviously enough, but if people want to do it again, then the page will remain open. Thanks so much for listening, guys. I'm so happy I managed to finish the Half Iron Man and a... Yeah, I can't wait for for next year. It's going to be special. Believe in yourselves, push yourselves, set goals and smash them. Cheers, guys. <laughs>